but I do know this. I think it was either Tozer or Alan Redpath or somebody said, when God wants to do something impossible, he takes an impossible man and crushes him. The Lord has uh, graciously crushed me on two or three or four occasions, uh, whether it was the illness of my wife or uh, losing jobs or uh, uh, being brought to places of deep despair. And yet he kept me in the midst of all those because he's faithful. Hi, and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Pleasure, friend, to have you stop by. Weekly, I have the pleasure of seeing someone from the Life Choices of Memphis ministry, whether it be Rachel Davis, Shelley Sumner, or the CEO of the ministry, Steve Copeland. And Steve's here right now because he was finishing a program for next week, I guess. Right, Steve? Yes, Life in the 901. Life in the 901, every Monday at 3 p.m. Of course, this program, Mid-South Viewpoint, Wednesday and Thursday at 3 p.m., We're really thankful for the opportunity to bring these local features and really the lasting relationship, Steve, that we've had with Life Choices. I remember the first director, Leslie Stainbrook, who would come out to our little gravel driveway in Collierville, a little block building out there off of Fleming Road. Back then, it was nothing but cow pastures. Leslie would come out every Monday at 2.30, and the program was live. Wow. Every Tuesday, and it was live, and she did that. Thankfully, you have an opportunity to record your show. <laughs> well, that is very helpful because you can edit things out that need to be edited, which will be 80%. I think. We have to do a lot of editing. <laughs> no, actually, you're a pretty smooth speaker, and you're passionate when you talk, and you usually have great guests, too, great conversation. As you were wrapping up, and I just kind of threw this at you, this wasn't planned. I just thought, hey, I would love to have some time with you and talk about the historic overruling of Roe v. Wade that happened in our country yeah, the overturning of Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey is tremendous on a lot of levels. First and foremost, the issue of life itself, but also the judges adhering to the words of the Constitution rather than whatever the opinion is of the day, opinion du jour. At the same time, it does expose how divided we are as a nation. Steve, writing for the court majority, Justice Samuel Alito said that the 1973 Roe ruling and repeated subsequent high court decisions reaffirming Roe because they were egregiously wrong, the arguments exceptionally weak and so damaging that they amounted to abuse of judicial authority. That is strong. It's strong words, but, you know, it's interesting, even Ruth Bader Ginsburg agreed that uh, the basis of Roe v. Wade, though she agreed with Roe v. Wade, was bad law. And it's bad law because the Constitution explicitly says in the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendment that the right to life, liberty, and property should not be denied without due process of law. It explicitly does not speak about a right to privacy, and it explicitly says that matters that are not defined in the Constitution are supposed to be decided by the states and the people thereof in those states. So now we're going back to what some would call strict constructionist, in other words, literal interpretation of the Constitution. Recently, you spoke with an NBC News affiliate how the pregnancy center movement has positively impacted women, babies, men, families, health care, communities, really the spiritual health of the nation, and that gets overlooked. Yeah, it's one of the great stories. We know that the news generally reports bad news, not good news. But on the front line in community after community across the nation, there are pregnancy medical centers, pregnancy resource centers. And these centers have improved the lives of women, reached many for Christ, have caused many babies to be born, families to be reconciled, communities to be improved, better prenatal care, 
and on and on and improved the spiritual health of the nation and actually maybe you know serving on the front line of this battle between life and death maybe held back the tide well i love that in the middle of the darkness yes there's that light yes and these are the unsung heroes they're not stubborn mules like me from new york most of them are gentle ladies and some men but who have been serving without uh, great reward and their reward is in heaven but making a difference in this nation something that steve you see repeated every day through the ministry of life choices of memphis yeah the stories are daily they're hourly uh, because we are engaged with a thousand active clients at any given time we're staying in touch with them it's not just a one-off encounter somebody coming in and having an ultrasound it's walking with them the entire pregnancy staying in touch with them being there at their deeply darkest lowest moments and helping them all the way through and encouraging them to know christ encouraging them to know that we're there to help them with skills with provision whatever it takes to bring them through you have said that pregnancy centers really provide that transparent hope healing, affirmation, encouragement, and eternal blessing. Yeah, I mean, this morning somebody texted me whom I know to tell me she was pregnant. Uh, uh, This is actually someone whose marriage I performed uh, a few years ago. And, uh, of course, she's excited. She's a believer. Her husband's a believer. There's this great joy. Well, for many women, to get the news of their pregnancy is not necessarily good news, as sad as that can be. You think about it, because it should be a wonderful, but it's not for everybody. Part of that is because the culture has imposed uh, a whole new thought process upon it. And what we come alongside is say, this is a wonderful thing. You will not regret this. You will rejoice and it's not easy whether you're, uh, you know, not, having a baby yeah. and having children is yeah. not easy. Yes, yes. But it, it's, it is worth every uh, ounce of uh, sacrifice. I think it's it. important to note, too, Steve, that this ruling by the Supreme Court doesn't negate the voice for the unborn because this just brings everything down on a state level, new territory. Yeah, along the way, the Lord has spoken to me through many scriptures, and in recent weeks and months, I've been reminded of the verse from Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, where the Lord says, I set before you life and death, a a blessing and cursing. Choose life that it may go well for you and your descendants. And I believe that, that it's going back to the states it's uh, the Lord is saying, choose life. He's saying to New York, choose life. To California, choose life. To Louisiana, choose life. To Florida, choose. And we're each going to have to face this issue. We can't say that nine judges off in Washington, as they did in 1973, decided for us. Now we must all take a position, and it could become the spawning of a great awakening in our country. And that's something we've been praying desperately yes. for, and we desperately need, right? We desperately need. I need one every day, and we all all need one, but this nation desperately needs a turn back to God, repentance from sin, faith in Christ, and a submission to the Holy Spirit. Well, I know you have your ministry fingers in a lot of different things, a heart and passion for the gospel of Christ, reaching all nations, all peoples of the world, which being in Christ, that's our responsibility, right? Absolutely. Something I noticed on a Facebook post you had, connection you have with a ministry in Uganda 
Dennis Kaikomiko. Saying that right? I guess that's how you pronounce it. There's an orphanage there that, yes. that you're connected with? Well, I've been involved in different things all over the world with Uganda through Steve Happ from Memphis and others I know in Uganda. And really just a remarkable story of Uganda. Forgive me for uh, digressing a moment, but when you think about when we were younger and Idi Amin was there and Idi Amin was a cannibal oh, yes. and he was an anti-Semite and he was anti-this and anti-that. Well, uh, after he was gone, uh, within about 10 or 15 years, some leaders rose up that actually, and, and one of them, their wife, really knew the Lord. And they had a national assembly of they, where they repented of their last past sins, including the sins of Idi Amin and others. And I would say that, that there's probably a greater percentage of real believers in Uganda today than there are in America. Wow. And they reconciled with Israel. Benjamin Netanyahu met with the leaders of Uganda. There were apologies for what they did at Entebbe and some of these other things. And it's an amazing thing. So are you actually going to Uganda at times? I have not been. I was invited to, but I haven't uh, done it. We have a pastor in town. I think you know Pastor Francis Sebakindu, yes. who is from Uganda. Yes. Of course, he was there during the atrocities of Idi Amin. We've shared his story on this program many times, and we are honored to partner with his ministry in inner city through the food drive each yes. year. I always like to bring out to our listeners about ministry happening in other places of the world. Yes. Because we need to have a worldview, a biblical worldview, yes, but also a mission worldview for the nations. Yes. Uh, in fact, I just spoke on this matter and identified eight nations as an example. Uh, Sri Lanka, I identified Czech Republic, walked through them, Japan, and a number of other nations, and I explained the situation in each of these and the necessity that believers be engaged. See, if you just go, I, I tell people this all the time, if you say to the Lord, Lord, give me a nation or a people group, he's going to jump out of his chair and say, somebody's interested in what I'm interested in. See, yes, we're yes. too busy asking him to help us with our little problems. Yes. But he longs for us to say, Lord, what is it on your heart? Yes, yes. And he would dump a, a burden in your heart, and you'll carry it for years. We have a mutual friend, Shiara Miles, yes. who is from Sri Lanka, Yes, was on the program recently yes. talking about her heartbreak for her homeland, seeing the economic collapse devastating but there again this potentially be the edge of a major revival the political leadership like you see in nations all over the country are all about their own prideful selfish ways have yes. taken advantage of the people now there's the collapse of this country yes food and gas and all of the supplies right now in dire need yes in the middle of the night i got a text from a pastor in uh sri lanka asking for some guidance on some things you know, I always go to the Lord and say, Lord, what are you doing with this situation? Because we know he's now in these last days shaking all things. And he's going to bring down Buddhism in Sri Lanka, which has controlled it. He's going to bring down his Hinduism. He's going to prevent Islam from taking over. And in Sri Lanka is known as the place of jewels or gemstones because they have so many. And he's, if we would just pray and intercede, he's going to make Sri Lanka into a jewel that will reflect the glory and beauty of the crown of Christ in these last days. And he has a plan for each nation, and we have to go to him, and he will reveal that plan by yes. the Holy Spirit, yes. and we can pray with him in accordance with that. Bringing that back home, specifically here to Memphis, Tennessee, where you have been seen handing out gospel tracts. You're the CEO of a major nonprofit, and yet it's on your heart to walk the streets of Memphis and hand out gospel tracts. Yes. I mean, from the day I was saved, I realized that we must uh, share the gospel in every opportunity that we have. 
we do it locally. I do it when I go to a Home Depot. I'll put tracks on cars or hand it to somebody. There's no great sacrifice in doing this rather than living in my own little world. And then I take men across the country to different cities that are lesser evangelized. We're about to go to Philadelphia for 10 days, and we're going to get on the streets. We'll be there on July 4th, and we have 75,000 gospel tracts, and we intend to distribute all of them. Now, you call these evangelistic excursions. Yes. I like the way you title these, where you invite men primarily to come join you. I think on this trip, there's like 10 to 12 they're going to be participating. You've had uh, as many as 30 on some of your trips, I believe. Yeah, this group will be a little smaller. I think there'll be about 10 that we know, and then there's about maybe as many as 10 locally in the greater New Jersey, Philadelphia area who will join us. We look forward to that. But, uh, yeah, we've had small groups, big groups. We're just always ready to go. You've got <laughs> 75,000 gospel tracts and several thousand gospel of John's to distribute. The team will be on the streets where major activity occurs, visiting large shopping centers, malls, City centers, parks, major league baseball games, July 4th events that you'll be participating in. And these are just regular folks going with you. These aren't preachers or pastors. These are just lay people, for the most part, who love the Lord and are passionate about getting the gospel out. Well, we must decide, are we all in for the Lord or not? Uh, It doesn't really matter what our titles are. There's really only one head, one Lord, one teacher, the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of us are called into a being a full-time servant of God. And why not? Look at him. Gaze at him. Gaze at his beauty. My eyes have seen the king in his beauty. We must be all in for him. I mean, and I try to encourage other men. And, and when they go out on these trips, every one of them, after their first day or two, they say, this is the best thing I've ever done. Because you no longer are just the Dead Sea, receiving, receiving, receiving. You're like the Sea of Galilee, taking in and giving out, and you're teeming with life. There's something about being intentional when you share the gospel. My son and I were out just the other day on a disc golf course. Some guy just came up and said, can I join you? said, absolutely. Don't know the guy, never met the guy. So we just started having the common interest in playing disc golf and complimenting each other's shots. And, of course, mine was mostly failure. (laughs) But uh, at the end of our time, it turned into that opportunity to present Christ. So we have these opportunities just going about life, Steve, in our everyday living life, taking advantage of those opportunities as the Holy Spirit guides and directs. It's not us doing the saving. Jesus has already paid the price. Amen. It's a gospel done, and we're presenting the message in the power of the Holy Spirit and trusting the results to him. He's very creative. One time when I left here and I got on the elevator, a man got on and the Lord was pricking me, say something to him. I said, oh, come on, Lord. And he said, say something. And I started saying something to him. And the guy almost burst into tears. He said, my mother died this week. You Mm -hmm. know, you just never know what's going to happen. And we stopped in the parking lot outside. Two people never met. I'm white. He was black. And we prayed together. That's beautiful. You just never know what the Lord will do. Yeah, you never know. Well, we have a mutual interest in Martin Lloyd-Jones. He was a doctor before he went into the ministry, a medical doctor before he went into the ministry, and was a great Bible teacher. And I still love listening to his sermons. Sometimes if I wake up at... Two or three o'clock in the morning, you know, when you get to be our age, sometimes you do that. Yes. I will find a podcast, and a lot of times it'll be Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones. He's quoted as saying, Those who know their Bible should not be surprised at the state of the world as it is. Chaver McGee said, One of the greatest ignorances is that of the Bible. Sadly, it's those of us who 
associate with Christ in the church. Yeah, it's a sad thing. You know, you just have to if you if you're a born again believer and you don't seem to have a hunger for the Word of God, you should uh, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith first. And secondly, after you find out you are in the faith, say, well, what's keeping me? Is it this love of this present evil age? Is it my busyness? Is it something else? I mean, is it sin? Whatever it is. There should be, we should be saturated. We're supposed to meditate on God's Word day and night. You know, I was reading recently, Steve, some scripture out of Jeremiah. Jeremiah wrote here in chapter 17 about Judah's sin, saying it is engraved with an iron tool, inscribed with a flint point on the tablets of their hearts and on the horns of their altars. Even their children remember their altars and Asherah poles beside the spreading trees and on the high hills. And it goes on to say that this is what the Lord says, Cursed is the one who trusts in man who depends on flesh for his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. And You know, it's uh, interesting when you read God's Word like this, especially Old Testament passages. I'm not trying to tie everything into where we are in life today, but there are certain things that we can see the heart of God, especially when it comes to sin right? and, and ongoing sin. And we look at the I, – I, I don't want to just – point at other people, I want to look at my own heart first and say, Byron, you've got a lot of repenting to do. Even as a Christ follower, it doesn't mean we don't sin anymore. It just means we're more aware of the sin we have and and how holy God is, and we've got to keep confessing, keep repenting, and knowing that Christ is the one who paid it all. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, absolutely true. Uh, Norman Grubb in his book, Continuous Revival, said we must continually be transparent and own up ourselves what we've done and what we're, our intentions are before the Lord. Be honest about it. Gypsy Smith said, draw a circle around yourself and say, Lord, revive everything in this circle and begin begin there. Yes. You know, so it begins with an individual. Uh, I appreciate uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones in his great message that he preached early in his life and preached late in his life and carried all the way through his life, Jesus Christ and him crucified. What other message do we have? There is no other message. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the implications of that message are more than just being born again. It's the way of the cross for our entire lives, and without it, we just go the way of the world. Oh, Steve, that's a good word there. Well, in, in contrast here in these verses in Jeremiah, it goes on to say, But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Amen. Made me think of that verse in Psalm 1 where it talks about the tree planted by the waters. Here again, Jeremiah referencing that. Yeah, we uh, made our children memorize Psalm 1 from a very early age, and I used to have a youth group, and I would Every year I could get them to memorize. You know, young people can remember everything, 15 to 20 psalms. You, you yeah. can do this. So blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And it goes on and on and on just like that. We need to have that. 
But it, the, the key is the meditating. What are we thinking about? Meditating. What are we chewing on yeah. day in and day out? Is it the Alabama football team? Is it that Joe Biden is some terrible person? Or is it that Jesus Christ is seated on the throne of grace and the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword? We need to be in line with him. Yes. <laughs> let his word richly dwell within you. Yes. You know, setting our minds above where he is yes. seated, you know. Yes. And I am so guilty. I have so much, you know, my in your your thoughts and and again we have to realize there's an adversary that yes. we have, right? Yes. I mean, we are fighting an enemy that yes. uh, that Christ has already defeated. <laughs> yes. As a young believer, I I stumbled across a tape by uh, Chuck Swindoll, the strategic use of the mind, and it was actually a series of two messages, and it changed my life. And I, from that point on, I began to memorize scripture. And that's what enables us to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Hey, we all run to things yes. uh, that are wrong or unholy or really even sometimes even grotesque. But we can turn back. The blood of the Lamb cleanses us. And then we can begin to meditate on the things that are uh, good and lovely and pure and of good report. What would you attribute that has helped you to become fruitful in your walk with Christ? We don't realize just how fruitful we are or what God's done. Sometimes... It's the unseen or the unknown where God's working the deepest in our life. But what do you attribute your spiritual walk to in your growth? I don't know how spiritual or seriously, don't know. I don't even think about it much anymore. But I do know this. I think it was either Tozer or Alan Redpath or somebody said, when God wants to do something impossible, he takes an impossible man and crushes him. Well. The Lord has uh, graciously crushed me on two or three or four occasions. Uh, whether it was the illness of my wife or uh, losing jobs or uh, uh, being brought to places of deep despair, and yet he kept me in the midst of all those because he's faithful. He is so faithful. I know we've seen his faithfulness in our family. My father-in-law just passed away this past Sunday. been a, a bittersweet time because we know because of his faith, in Jesus Christ Amen. and his trust in the Lord, we will be with him reunited as we will with so many of our loved ones that have put their faith and trust in Christ. And as we start to wrap up today, Steve, can we talk about that? Can we talk to that person maybe that just happened to tune in and hearing this conversation, they might have attended church before or thought they've given up on God. Is there really a God? Mm-hmm. Would you share What this gospel message is, what Christ has done and paid for on their behalf. And be assured, I was lost. I grew up in a non-Christian home. Uh, We were secular. My father Jewish, my mother Catholic. I never read a Bible till I was 18 years old. What I discovered over the next six years is God began to prick my heart, and he showed me that he loved me. He loves you. God so loved the world. But we're sinners. We're sinners. We're in rebellion against God. And most of us don't realize that even many Christians fail to understand how deep and depraved we are, utterly opposed to what the Lord wants. And yet Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and rose again the third day. Christ came to pay the just for the unjust. We deserve the penalty that comes with sin for the wages of sin is death, but Christ died for us that we may have eternal life. So if you're a listener today, the Holy Spirit may be speaking to you and saying, what this man is saying, what that man is saying is correct. And there's no other way of salvation. There's no other name uh, under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. Right now, you can receive Christ in the secret place of your heart, wherever you are, if you're working, driving down the road, uh, if you're in a place where you shouldn't be and you're hearing this. You can receive Christ. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. He said, as many as received him, he gave them power to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Pray to receive him now. It's just simply asking him, Yes, Lord, I've sinned against you. I can't save myself. Christ, what you did can save me. Would you save me now? Those who call on the Lord will be saved. Amen. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says that we'll be saved. Amen. And and we talk about the deceitfulness of our heart. We don't even understand it. The Bible even says here, Steve, and again in this chapter 17 of Jeremiah, verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. Yes. And so we hear this message that God is love, but there is a a righteous indignation because of the sinfulness and rebellion of man that has to be brought into account. And Jesus paid the price. It's something we can never do. No amount of attending a church service, no amount of tithing money you give, there's no baptism, there's nothing you can do except put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, I was under conviction of sin for seven months before I came to Christ. And Before it was over, the Lord was showing me things from the time I was two years old that I had sinned against God. So the holiness of God can only be met by a holy response, and that only holy response is the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. And to those who are believers, sometimes we, after we've come to the Lord, we still find that in me, that is in my flesh, no good thing dwells according to the Scripture. We really experience that. And we can come to the cross and identify with him in his death, identify with him in his resurrection, and now walk in newness of life. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. So there's almost like two experiences, and I don't mean to get theological, but a lot of times people come to the cross for forgiveness, but they don't get on the cross for the full salvation of letting Christ live in them and through him. Like Galatians remind us, I have been crucified with Christ. And it's not I that live, but Christ lives in me. Yes. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Well, Steve, as always, my friend, I always uh, enjoy us having some hang time getting together. <laughs> yes. Thanks for letting me putting you on the spot, joining the show today. It's been a great time. If folks want information about the excursions, the one in Philadelphia, you're leaving this week and you're going to be yeah. gone. But there's future ones planned, too. What's the best way to learn more about these? The website's missionfieldusa.com, and that's all it is as a website. We don't ask for money. We don't ask for support. We do encourage prayers. My email address is Steve Copeland, C-O-P-L-O-N, at gmail.com. My phone number is 351-7733. I get phone calls from people all over the world. Praise God. Hey, Steve, thanks so much for stopping yeah, by. Yeah, thanks, Byron. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for joining us. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.